Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. We're in the season of Eastertide. Six Sundays to celebrate the resurrection, to focus on it, talk about it, preach about it. I mean, every Sunday in one sense, but especially during this season. And uh, during this time, we're thinking, talking, preaching about the supremacy of Christ. People all the time ask me, what kind of church is Word of Life? And I just, I don't have a good answer. It's, you know, non-denominational, that's so, you know... Banal, that's not exciting. I, I usually just end up saying, well, we're like a Jesus church. I mean, we're just like, Jesus. That's our big deal around here. Amen. So the Bible kind of works like this. The Old Testament is the story of how we get to Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are the story of Jesus culminating in death and resurrection. The epistles are about the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So during this season of Eastertide, we are looking into two of Paul's epistles, Ephesians and Colossians. So we'll have six weeks to spend some time in Ephesians and Colossians, exploring the supremacy of Christ and the implications of his resurrection. Today we're going to be in Ephesians 2. And I'll start here. I'll start right in the middle of the chapter with this verse, Ephesians 2.15, that Christ might create in himself one new humanity. Maximus the Confessor. He's like one of my favorite theologians. He lived a long time ago. Born in 580, died in 662. Just such a gift to the body of Christ. And here was a man that really, really dedicated his life to understanding God as revealed in Christ. He wrote a book on the cosmic mystery of Jesus Christ 14 centuries ago. I was reading parts of it way back in 2004. And I remember where I was actually standing when I read it. I remember holding this book where I was standing and reading this sentence. In Christ, a whole new way of being human has appeared. I love that. I mean, I'll be honest. Maximus the Confessor is hard reading. And I, there's, there's times when I don't understand. Like, that guy's great, but I don't always understand him. But I understood that sentence. That in Christ... A whole new way of being human has arrived on the scene. That's what I want to preach on. The new humanity. That's what I want to preach on from Ephesians 2. The new humanity. Christ has given us an entirely new way of being human. Now Ephesians 2 begins with Paul setting forth the problem. I mean when we talk about humanity... <laughs> there is a problem, right? 
I mean, you look into the animal kingdom and you don't just, you know, you just, you don't just pick what the giraffes. That's the first one that came to my mind. You don't look at giraffes and go, yeah, what a messed up species. I mean, they just can't get interactive. It's it's, it's humans. I mean, the, the animal kingdom is doing fine. If we'll not kill them all off, you know, they're doing fine. It's, it's this being called Homo sapiens sapien, which means wise, and it's, it's, it's twice. It's, we're, we're, we're the wise, wise being. Okay. <laughs> I think, you know, you're trying too hard there, <laughs> humans. We have a problem. And Paul sets forth the problem, and he says it like this. You were dead through your trespasses and sins. What's the problem? Sins and trespasses that lead to death. That's the problem. In sin, we miss the mark. That's what that word means. We miss the mark of becoming fully human. I mean, God sets us forth to, with, a, with a purpose or a... Well, first of all, I think we have to identify what does it mean to be human? Well, it means we are the creature that is to fully bear the image of God. That's our distinction. We're... We're to be a, a demonstration or a reflection into the cosmos of what God is like. But with sin, we get off on a, a wrong trajectory and we start, we start missing that mark to become fully human and show forth the image of God. And over enough time, when the trajectory is off, you can get way off. And you can just kind of fly really out of what it means to be fully human. With transgressions, that word means to overstep the line. And when we overstep the line, uh, it leads us out. I mean, there, there are boundaries. God says, here, humans, live within this. Live, live within this. It's holy. Live within this. But when we transgress or we step over the line, we depart from the land of human flourishing. And we end up in the realm of death. Uh, which is contrary. I mean, the realm of death is all that is contrary to the two great commandments, to love God and to love neighbor. I mean, the, the land we're called to live in is the land where we love God and worship God, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. When we don't do that, we're, we're stepping outside the line into a land where, where there's death. And it's not human flourishing. So, this is a spiritual death, and this is a spiritual death that in some ways we're, we're just born into. I mean, we learn to sin like we learn to speak our language. I mean, you never, you know, if English is your native tongue, you don't remember learning it. You just found out one day you could. It's the same with sin. Nobody ever, you didn't take a class on sin. Nobody sat down and said, well, you know, you're about seven or eight. It's time to really learn how to sit. No, you just picked it up. It just came natural. How many of you? Come on. How many of you said, well, yeah, Cindy, that just came natural to me. Yeah. Well, a humanity that is driven by selfish desire, I mean, if that's the concept, to live for self, not to live for God and others, but live for self, and we just pick that up because it's all around us, a humanity driven by selfish desire, it just essentially forces us to miss the mark or overstep the line. And then we find ourselves exiled from Eden in the land of death, becoming 
less and less human. I mean, we're still human, but we're, we're missing our, our mark as to our destiny, our high calling, what we're supposed to be. But we're told enough lies that it almost, we almost come to believe that the selfish life is the true life. That to put yourself number one, you, you got to take care of number one. You know, you, you hear that language. And that's deeply embedded in us. And we hear enough of those kind of lies, we almost start to believe that it's true. And left to our own devices, we would never be able to recover our true humanity. This, uh, I'm painting a bleak picture here, or at least Paul is. Left to ourselves, once, once we get off like that, we start missing the mark. We get on the wrong trajectory. Once we cross the line and we're in this wrong realm, left to ourselves, we would really never recover our full humanity. But God. But God. Say, say but God. But God, who is rich in mercy... Out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. This is it right here. See, we're, we're stuck down here. We've, we've missed the mark. We've overstepped the line. And we're, we're stuck down in this death. Here we are. We're stuck in death. But God, but God loves us. God has mercy even when we're in our sins and trespasses. God loves us, and so he sends his son. Why does Jesus die? Because that's where we were. We were the prisoners of death, and so Jesus died to come get us. Okay? So here comes, and remember, you know who these are? I've taught about this. Who is this? And this is, right, Adam and Heva, humanity and life human life and see jesus comes down and i got you that's the picture of salvation that's what salvation looks like is jesus coming and says, i got you i know i know you missed the mark got lost got off course ended up in the wrong place i've come to get you and bring you back mm, that's good news so christ was raised from the dead not for his own sake but for our sake, that we might be raised with him. Um, Jesus died because we were here, and he came to get us and to bring us up out of it. Now listen to this verse. This, this, is, this is really good stuff. Verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him to be our way of life. The will of God is a way of life, not a certain vocation or task or job. Or We tend to think, you know, the will of God is, you know, whether you're a, a plumber or a lawyer or a, or a hairdresser or whatever, you know, that that's the will. No, the will of God is a way of life. You have all the possibilities of vocations. There's a lot of freedom there. But the will of God is a certain way of being human. And we are God's workmanship, we're told. God's, God's workmanship. What's that mean? God's, some translations, God's masterpiece. I mean, you're not just some accident. You're not just some, you know, person that somehow came into being. And uh, No, God knows you, loves you, and says, I'm going to make something great with them. Entirely unique. 
They won't be like anybody else. They'll be their own, but they'll be a masterpiece. Actually, the word, the word there, we are God's, and the, and the Greek word is poema. We are God's poema. Can you, can you guess what English word we get from the Greek word poema? Poema, po- poem. We are, you're God's poem. Of course, if you have a poem, you have a poet. And God is the poet. I like that. God is, God is a, a poet works with letters and words and he moves them around and arranges them until it's beautiful. And God's taking the, well, the letters and the words, but let's say it this way. God's taking the, the events, the occurrences, the things that happen in your life, and he's going he's to just keep working with him. You say, my life's all messed up. He says, it doesn't matter. God says, I'll work with it. I'm a poet. I can turn your life into a beautiful poem. That's what God is up to in Christ, that God is, is taking the moments and events of our life and putting them together in such a way that our life becomes a beautiful poem. Now, of course, we can choose not to cooperate. And if we, co- if we don't cooperate with Jesus, then it's harder. Because that's the way God is. God's going to work through love, not through coercion. But if we will cooperate with Christ, we hasten our journey in becoming fully human. And that's what the Christian life really is about. It's about cooperating with Christ to participate in the new humanity. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at this, verse, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus... In Christ Jesus, by, through faith and baptism. By now, we believe in Jesus, we're baptized into Christ. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off. Now, he's talking here in the context about the Gentiles. You had the Jewish people who had, you know, the revelation of God that was progressing, beginning, you know, with Abraham and Moses and the prophets. You know, they, they, they know about the, the, the true and living God, Yahweh, the I Am. Gentile world, not so much. They're kind of out there groping. And, and uh, you could just say far. They're far away from God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles, who were once far off. Well, I mean, but still we could think of it this way. How many of you can look back at a time in your life and go, oh, I was, I was pretty far off from God. Anybody? Anybody own up to that? Say, I I was pretty far off from God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ because Jesus died for everybody. Jesus didn't didn't just die for Jewish people. Died for everybody. Didn't just die for white people. Died for everybody. Didn't just die for Asians or Africans or Americans or Europeans, Jesus died for everybody. Died for the whole world, right? So we're brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. That's the identity that matters to me is to be in Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one. Again, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but it doesn't matter. It's however we like to divide ourselves up. Jesus says, yeah, yeah. That's not that big a deal for me. I mean, the distinction is is part of God's creativity, but not in the sense of one being superior, one being more privileged, one being more special. Ah, That doesn't work. Not with God. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he's made both groups, all groups, into one. 
and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. Jesus is the original. Tear down this wall. That's Jesus. Distinction is fine, but not if it's built in hostility. If it's a wall of separation built in hostility, Jesus says, no, I'm going to tear that down. Because that's one of your big problems, humanity. Is you really start thinking that, you're, that it's us versus them and you haven't figured out there is no them. There's only us. There's, only, there's no them. It's us versus them. There is no them. There's only us. And Christ wants to alert us to that and wake us up to that. And he has abolished the law. What law has Christ abolished? Well, not, he's, he's abolished the law of ritual boundary markers. The law, the true law, and the true law is only two commandments. Love God, love neighbor. Love God with all your heart, love neighbor as yourself. That, that abides. That's established in Christ. But the laws that create artificial boundary markers, those are abolished with their various commands and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two thus making peace. He's a little more explicit about it. I'm going to say we're going to be in Ephesians and Colossians, but if we want to go to Galatians, we can, right? Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, the same apostle says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ, that's the formal induction into the new humanity, as many as you, of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, so, so, so that's the identity that matters. It's not American or Mexican or Honduran or Guatemalan or Ethiopian or we, name, we can name all if we want, or Indonesian. Those are, those are accidentals that each of them carry their own distinctiveness and beauty and all of that. But that's not really what matters. What matters for the baptized is that we are in Christ. That's what matters. That's, that's, that's what matters. Um, and thus, verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all, all of you, all y'all, are one in Christ Jesus. So in Christ we join the new humanity, the new way of being human, where ethnicity and nationality are incidental. What matters is the new humanity in Christ. So ethnic, economic, national, gender privilege belongs to the old humanity that is stuck down in death. And we cannot be the new humanity and cling to the old ways of death. Much of Paul's letters, I've really been thinking about his letters. You know, Romans through the pastoral epistles. Much of Paul's letters are about, well, the apostle explaining to the newly baptized how the new humanity is to live. Mostly he's writing to Gentiles. And he's having to explain that the old pagan way of living is to be left behind. So class privilege is out. Sexual promiscuity is out. Wanton drunkenness is out. And they actually needed to be told this. We make assumptions. Jewish people knew this. Pagan Gentiles didn't know this. I mean, they actually, I was reading about this. In a, 
they actually had to be told, all right, you've come to church, praise the Lord. And we, we're, we're focusing on Jesus and we're receiving the sacrament. And that means that on your way home, you can't stop off at the brothel. They had to be told that. Really? No. Why not? Well, that, 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 that actually, believe it or not, that all is kind of from this world right here. Death. And Christ has pulled you out of that. Oh, okay. And, and Paul's real concern is not some form of moralism. His real concern is that they faithfully represent the new humanity. And so, class privilege is out, and sexual promiscuity is out, and wanton drunkenness is out. Crooked business dealing is out. Arrogance and violence are all out. Why? Because that's simply not who we are anymore. Our life is now in Christ. We are the new humanity. And our new humanity is characterized by Christ-like love. Love for God, love for neighbor, or what the Bible calls worship and justice. That's the characteristic of the new humanity in Christ. First of all, we're worshipers. We don't, we're not just thinkers. We don't just think about God. We worship about God. We're not just talkers. We don't just talk about God. We worship God. We're not just believers believing in God. We are that. But we're not just that. We are Because you can think about God, talk about God, believe about God, and not worship God. We're worshipers. That... And yes, I know it's easy to say, well, our whole life is worship. Well, amen, I'm all for it. But I don't think it's going to rise above your intentional moments of worship. And so there need to be intentional times in your life where, where what are you doing right now? I'm worshiping God. My attitude, my posture, my intent in this moment is simply praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I mean, we're worshipers. And then the other characteristic of the new humanity is justice. That is, that we make sure that every other person is treated as we would want to be treated. That they're loved as we would want to be loved. That we are, both as an individual and as a society, acting in love toward the others. And we, we, we renounce the lie of the devil that there's a them. There is no them. There's only us. Hallelujah. And so the new humanity in Christ lives a different way. And Paul is saying, we, we don't leave the old ways behind so that we can be saved. All right, here I'm living in the, in the, in the realm of Lust and desire and greed and selfishness and self-centeredness and taking advantage of people, da, 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 all that. And I want to be saved, so I'm going to... No, you were stuck in that, and Jesus came and said, I got you. Pulled you out. But now, now we have a calling to faithfully embody, demonstrate, show forth the new humanity. And so we can't go back down in there. Now, something we do, but that's part of, you know, that's why we have forgiveness and grace and mercy, but it's also why we have discipleship and formation so that we can actually learn to live as a new kind of person, the new humanity. And the new humanity in Christ, um, which one word for that, to a certain extent anyway, is church. 
The church does not seek to change the world by possessing political power. Preach it, BZ. Because that, all that will do, once you start saying, you know, and it can come from the most noble of motives, probably not, but it, theoretically it's, it does. You know, I want to change the world for good. So I want to be in power. I want to have the, I want to have the power to tell other people what to do. <laughs> I want to be able to tell other people what to do. That comes from here. Okay, that's way, that's way down at the bottom of that pit is where that comes from. And if, and if, if we think, okay, we got to change the world. And so we got to have political power. We're down there plumbing the depths of hell, trying to drag something up that we can use to serve Jesus. That is never going to work. And it never has worked, never will work. The new humanity, if it changes the world, changes the world by, by simply, here's how, here's how the new humanity changes the world, by simply being the new humanity. We're not trying. I'm speaking as a Christian now. We're not trying to change anyone. Believe it or not. We're just trying to love everyone. That's it. Maybe that comes as a bolt of revelation out of the blue. My dear fellow followers of Christ, we're not out there to change people. We're not out there to change anybody. That's not what we're called to do. I mean, if anybody's going to do the changing, it's this one. And, and we're, that's not you. You're here. We're here. That's you. We're not trying to change anyone. We're trying to love everyone. Which that's the Jesus way. And this is one of the most radical things about the new humanity in Christ is that everyone is loved, everyone is invited, and everyone is welcomed. And those who say no, we just kind of assume, ah, they'll, they'll, they'll change their mind in a little while. They're all invited, they're all welcomed, they're all loved. And if they say no thank you, we think, ah, yeah, I bet they'll come around. That's our attitude. In the new humanity, we have found our true home. See, we, we missed the mark, and it put us on a wrong trajectory, and then we crossed the line, and then we found ourselves outside of Eden, and we're wandering the world as an exiled man. And we're, we're lost, that's what we're lost, because we can't find our home. That's part of what's wrong with human beings. This is not at home. They're here, but they're not at, most of us aren't at home. We've got to get home. We've got to find our home. Well, here's how Paul finishes this chapter, and it's so good. And I'm going to amp it up a little bit. I'm going to read it out of the message. God bless you, Gene Peterson. One of the angels tell you, Gene, that we really appreciate the message of the Bible. You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christian as anyone. 
God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Now, this is what Paul says about the new humanity as the global body of Christ. But I know, Paul, I know he's really thinking about that church he's writing to in Ephesus. So what I'm saying is this passage of Scripture is true in a more of an abstract way about the, um, the global body of Christ. But it's way true about Word of Life Church. This, this, is, this, this is about Word of Life Church. Those of you here, those of you there, this is Word of Life Church. You are no longer wandering exiles. You were. You were out there, you know, I can't find a home. No more. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. I mean, you know, we, you know what, we, what essentially we have in common here? is Jesus. We don't have politics in common. I mean, some of you do. Some of you are like this, some of you are like that, some of you are like that. Here's the people that are that way, here's the people that way. <laughs> what we have in common is Jesus, that we believe in Jesus. And I know you're thinking, yeah, but Jesus needs to change their politics, probably, but let, him, let Jesus do it, because you're not going to do it. Remember, remember who you are. This is not you. This is you. This is you, right there. You're no longer wandering exiles, the kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. I mean, what I should, I should just actually, I'm not going to do it, but I just, just, Fidel, you belong here. Lori, you belong here. Tyrese, you belong here. Cheryl, you belong. I should just do it. Betty, you belong here. Fred, you belong here. I know there's a Fred out there. It's like a word of knowledge. Fred, you belong here. Fred, right now, you belong here. Am I right? Does Fred belong here? Amen. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here. There's many a tale of how we got here. And how you found us online. I don't know how you did it. There's all kinds of stories, but that really doesn't matter. What matters is that you got here and God is using all of us in what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. That's the two testaments of the Bible. Now he's using you. He's using you. Igor, Laura, he's using you. You got, you got quite a tale. How you got here? You were in... Uh, Habarovsk? Habarovsk? Where were you from? Habarovsk. Habarovsk. Yeah, I can't speak Russian, but, but, привет, I can say that. You found your way here. You might have thought it wasn't, it wasn't an accident. You're supposed to be here. You belong here. Everybody say, praise God for the Namokhanovs. God says, oh, the Namokhanovs, they somehow ended up on the wrong continent. Got to get them over there. And here they are. We love them. 
And God's using them, and he's using you, he's using me. And he's fitting us together, brick by brick and stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. What's that song we sing? Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. With Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day for 39 years. For 39 years. We see it taking place day by day. Brick by brick, stone by stone. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. So, you know, the ancients, Jewish and Gentile, all, you know, anybody that has a sense of the sacred and the awareness of God and all that, you know, they, they, they ultimately build a temple for them, a home for God. They want God to be at home among them, so they build a place for God. But the new humanity in Christ understands that the holy temple is not made of brick and mortar, of those kind of stones. It's made of the living stones, the living bricks <laughs> that are you and me. We're, we're masterpieces, we're poems, we're a building, we're a new humanity, learning to love God as worshipers, learning to love neighbor as those that seek their justice, their well-being, their fair treatment. That's who we are. And God is quite at home here with us. And home is the place where you, where the family gathers for a meal. And we have a sacred meal, a sacramental meal that mystically allows us to participate in the body and blood of Christ. That we as the new humanity might be the flesh and blood presence of Christ in our world. Amen. Stand with me. Oh God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Now, remember, you, you came from here. You were in death, and Jesus came and got you. He said, I got you. Pulled you up out of death. But we have a lot of habits, and we find ourselves going back there. We find ourselves, once again, missing the mark, overstepping the line. It happens. Anybody sin this week? I don't know, I'm just... Some of you didn't, I guess. Rock on. <laughs> but some of you did sin. So what are we going to do about it? We're not going to hide it. We're not going to stay ashamed of it. We're going to confess it together and receive forgiveness. Pray with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. 
It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often, you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you.